when you have an ex mindset, the whole world is trauma. Think Murphy's Law. It doesn't matter what it is. You're waiting for the next trauma to come around the bend. And everything can be wonderful to everybody else. And you're celebrating that great victory. And that negative person is going, wait for the shoe to fall. Staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 24. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast and it's good to have you here. If you are, however, a long-time listener, welcome back and thank you for being such a loyal listener. There's a very good chance that today's topic affects you or someone you know. According to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, about 8 million adults have PTSD during any given year. We tend to associate PTSD to veterans. We think that veterans are the ones who generally have PTSD, but it can really happen to anyone who experiences a traumatic event. That traumatic event could even be a violent assault, some kind of disaster, whether it's natural or otherwise. It could be an accident. It could be being in a combat situation, of course, uh, as we mentioned with veterans, or any other form of violence. My guest today is J.D. Covert. J.D. was misdiagnosed with PTSD and clinical depression for decades before being accurately diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, also known as multiple personalities. My goal in doing this episode is not to cover every single aspect of PTSD, but to share with you the story of someone who is living with PTSD and how she is coping with it. Hopefully, you will come out of this episode with a good understanding of how to relate with someone with PTSD. If by any chance, however, you yourself suffer with PTSD, maybe, just maybe you will gain some new insights from listening to this episode. Finally, make sure to check out the show notes for this episode for resources mentioned in this episode and a couple of additional resources I found useful and reputable and I added those to the show notes. You can find the show notes for this episode by going to umarcheng.com forward slash session 24. Enough said, let's start my interview with JD. JD, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you for, for joining me on the podcast. Uh, I'm excited to have you and uh, be, to be doing this interview. Oh, fantastic. I'm excited to be here. Would you introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about who you are and, and what you do? Um, I'm J.D. Covert. I am a screenwriter and an author, and uh, that's what I do. I do... Um, uh, I read for a producer, do production notes, and that sort of thing, and write books. <laughs> On your website, you shared some of your experiences around PTSD and DID. Before we, we dig deeper into that, could you perhaps start by telling us a little bit about, if you're willing to share, of course, any personal experiences you'd like to share with the audience? Um, yes, I was diagnosed with PTSD probably about 
over well over 30 years ago uh, but it wasn't until recently the last several years that I was diagnosed with uh, dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities and that opened up a whole lot uh, deeper understanding into what is going on in my life and why there were so many things that were not effective in treating me with PTSD. What is a regular day like for someone who has PTSD or, or, or DID? It, it all depends. It, it, um, and it depends on how well you're functioning. Um, if you're around critical, judgmental people, you usually uh, stop functioning. You usually have a really hard time. Um, if you, but we do what most people do in a day. In fact, a, a lot of your first responders uh, are out on the job with PTSD. So it doesn't stop you from doing um, normal things, so to speak, but it may affect how you do those things and how much you do you can do and whether or not you need to have more downtime and more rest and that sort of thing. And you have to process longer. PTSD is not, the, the initials at least, people are, are familiar with it, I think, but I don't want to assume anything. So could you talk a little bit more about what it is and uh, how uh, one gets PTSD? Yes. Um, a lot of people, I, I'm glad you asked that first question, though. Uh, what came to my mind just now was the fact that a lot of people do believe when you have PTSD, you're homeless, uh, you can't function in life, you can't do anything, which is just simply not the case. Um, what PTSD is, um, is a reaction to trauma. And what they have discovered is that adult trauma is the result, uh, uh, adult PTSD is the result of childhood trauma. Um, and this is kind of opened up because of Dr. Stephen Porges. He did this study. He had a theory called the polyvagal theory, and he thought uh, he would research it, and it has nothing to do with psychology, nothing to do with PTSD. It is physio our body's physiological response to our autonomic nervous system. Uh, but what came out of it has really, in the last couple of years, revolutionized how we look at PTSD, what we know about PTSD, uh, what we know about childhood trauma, how to treat it, and how to look at it. Uh, the new research has found that um, when we're uh, when we're little, before we're two years old, our uh, hippocampus has not developed yet, and because our hippocampus hasn't developed, we don't remember what happened to us, but our body does. So our memory goes from our hippocampus into our body, um, and we. When we have people who love us, take care of us, and nurture us, our hippocampus develops in a normal way. When we're traumatized at that very early age, it literally changes our DNA so that instead of producing the normal amount of stress hormones, we suddenly produce a large amount of stress hormones, and our whole body system totally changes. Well, People don't understand 
what's happened to them before they're two years old. And so therefore, what we're discovering is these soldiers are going out in the field, they're going to war, they're coming back with PTSD. But what the war did, or the situation did, wasn't cause the trauma. It was the trigger that opened the door to the past trauma from their childhood. And that's one reason why uh, it's been so difficult to treat and to address. Um, most people, when you have normal trauma, you grow. And you actually do that in PTSD. In fact, most people with PTSD say, we wish we could hang on to the positive effects of the trauma and get rid of the symptoms. So just because we have PTSD doesn't mean we don't see the growth that we had in the trauma. Uh, one of the things that they have discovered is why, the questions a lot of people have asked, why do 75% of soldiers return home without PTSD and 25% have PTSD? Why are there war-torn nations where there is no PTSD? Why are there people coming out of wartime situations with positive attitudes. It, and that is what Dr. Uh, Portis's theory actually addressed and answered some of these questions. And as it turns out, um, a lot of societies like Vietnam, in Vietnam, um, they were used to war and parents knew how to nurture and love their children. And so therefore, when they were put in that horrible wartime situation, their hippocampus, their, their DNA, their whole system was able to produce the right amount of stress hormones to be able to overcome that situation. Whereas if, our, if we're damaged as children, then our, we don't have that ability to, uh, to bounce back. Another thing they've discovered is that when you have normal trauma, your REM sleep will process it. We all have trauma. Everybody has trauma in their life. I mean, you think about a traumatic ex experience. It could be a car wreck. Could be your neighbor's dog breaks through your fence. I mean, it could be a whole number of things. So you have normal trauma in your life. And what happens is you go to sleep, your REM sleep takes care of it. But when it's so traumatic, when it's a huge traumatic situation, your REM sleep can't take care of it. It's one of the reasons why when you're in a really bad situation, it may take you up to six months. That's why uh, people are not diagnosed with PTSD until after six months after they're traumatized because it may take six months for your REM sleep to work it out. In um, REM so sleep, what, and by REM sleep, huh? REM is rapid eye movement. I'm sorry, the rapid eye movement sleep, the part where uh, your eyes are moving so fast. Uh, what that does, your REM sleep, is when you process... Uh, the things that have happened to you during the day. Uh, and if so much, so many overwhelming things have happened, you may not have enough REM sleep to process through it. So it may take you months in order for your REM sleep to process through that trauma. Uh, but what happens with PTSD is the trauma may be so overwhelming that our REM sleep doesn't have the opportunity to process through it. So when you put all of these factors together, 
you realize that the person who has PTSD is basically a very traumatized person. And it wasn't one event that causes that they can't get over. It is a whole possible childhood of traumatic events they don't remember that now are coming back and wanting to be healed and wanting to be dealt with because our body never forgets. And so anyway, I don't know if I quite answered that, but it's kind of a deeper, more complicated thing than what is PTSD. What about DID? I know movies can attempt to give their own narrative. I'm, I'm sure we've seen movies where it's generally right. negative, where you know a person has We're multiple personalities. Exactly, they're a villain. They have multiple personalities, and they tend to be the exactly the villains in the movie. Could you talk a little bit about more about uh, how that really works uh, for someone who has a dissociative identity disorder? Um, DID is actually childhood trauma. It occurs before you're eight years old. Um, everybody dissociates. In fact, there are times when you want that EMT to dissociate because you may be a bloody mess. And if he doesn't dissociate, he cannot take care of you. So everybody dissociates. Uh, we may call it shock when you, you say, oh, they're in shock. Actually, what is happening, they're dissociating. It is a natural response to trauma. We all do it. We also all have parts. You hear, part of me wants to go, part of me wants to stay, part of me thinks this is a good idea, part of me thinks it's bad. What happens when you have a little child uh, who is traumatized and uh, it, just like in Dr. Porges's, uh theory, uh, we have two, we, we all know we have two, fight and flight, and we have feigning death. Well, a child, especially a little child under two, can't run away. They're trapped. So they're going to feign death. Feigning death almost always comes with dissociation. So you've got this little child who's being traumatized. Uh, they end up feigning death because we only have our body only has two responses and we don't get to choose our body literally chooses for us so what happens is is one of those parts just breaks off and we lose that ability after eight years old because as most people know our brain has developed and totally changes by eight but before eight we have that ability we all can do it um, and so when you find out someone has DID, they were a traumatized kid before eight years old. Um, it's really very, the most annoying thing to me is when they have someone develop DID as an older child or a teenager. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen because you've lost the ability to do that. And by that age, you if you haven't been traumatized before then, by golly, you know that fight or flight. You know, that's just, that's there. Um, so, uh, especially if you're traumatized before two, the hippocampus hasn't developed, uh, you suddenly have a negative, um, mindset. It's drilled into your DNA changes. So you naturally have a negative mindset. You can't go 
and force it to become positive. You can rewire it. That takes time and years and therapy. So there, it, there's hope that you won't have a negative mindset for the rest of your life, but you naturally have one. So you have this uh, traumatized kid, and what do they do? How they escape? Every personality that they have broke off from a trauma. So that's one reason why they don't grow. Now, while they're older alters is because once you learn to create alters, you can do it for the rest of your life. It's just you have to be under eight. You have to learn that ability at, under eight. And then after you're eight, your alter, you can create alters whenever you're, you have a trauma. It is, your, it is a primitive defense mechanism, a very primitive one. Um, the deal is um, one of the things that a lot of the movies have right is the fact that uh, those of us with DID have a little bit different perspective on things. We have a little bit better understanding of the world and see things a little bit differently than everybody else. So that is true. And one of the reasons is because we're traumatized. We, uh, we've had to fight and survive. We've had to survive our childhood. And we, um, even though we have a negative uh, mindset, things don't bother us as much as they do other people. Um, what bothers us is people being critical and judgmental. That is really hard on us. But as far as the little things go, um, if it doesn't trigger us to where we're in fight or flight or feigning death, uh, then we don't worry about it. Uh, so we'll have one or two reactions. We'll just, yeah, okay, big deal. Or else it will trigger us and it will, will send us into another personality or in PTSD will we'll cause that, you know, triggered reaction you have with PTSD. Um, the movies want to show uh, another personality outside yourself. Never. All your personalities are inside you. You share the same body. They're a part of you, just like your parts are, are a part of you. Uh, so we're no different as far as that's concerned. Uh, we do hear our voices when we are triggered. Uh, we will uh, become another person, but a lot of times it's subtle. Um, when I discovered that I was changing a lot uh, and people were not easy, could not easily tell. A lot of times they feel like uh, you may be moody, you may be sensitive one minute and just very firm the next and it's confusing to people. Um, but you don't like change your clothes and your hair and everything unless you're a different person when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> So that person gets to choose what you wear all day, but you don't, you know, suddenly, unless there's a huge change and you go into amnesia. Um, but you can't, they don't, they don't work on assimilating the personalities anymore. Um, they work on you working as a system so that whichever personality you need at the time is the one who is the dominant one. Um, and you all stay co-conscious. Once you, once you learn that you do have multiple personalities, it's a lot easier for you to stay co-conscious 
uh, to stay. It, it was hard to learn to stay in the now and not allow a stressful situation uh, to to you. That takes work, but once that happens, uh, then they work to make sure that your system can work together. They discovered when they tried to force people to assimilate, if they got in a stressful enough situation, they ended up dissociating again and going into an altar or creating a new altar. Um, so what they're trying now is if they all learn to work together, then hopefully that won't happen. You won't get into a state to where you um, go into a, a dissociative uh, uh, amnesia which is whenever you don't remember anything that happened. Okay. And which when, is tough. <laughs> yeah. And when you say alter, you mean alter ego, I'm assuming? Well, it, it's not alter ego, but it's alternate personality. Oh, alternate personality. Okay. All right. And how... But a lot of people do, do when you say, they do think alter ego, but it's actually an alter personality. Okay. Right. And you did touch a little bit about how that kind of manifests uh, uh, itself in terms of, uh, it sounds like it's a little more subtle than, than what we, what we see yes. in movies. It, it's, uh, it's just right. uh, almost like a, a mood swing to, at that mm -hmm. level, kind of. Okay. All right. How does one deal with, uh, I guess uh, the first question I should ask is, what are some of the positives of, of uh, you mentioned seeing the world differently? What does it allow you to do differently than, let's say, regular people, people like, uh, such as myself? Um, in ways that is a little bit difficult because I've never seen the world <laughs> in the way a normal person has because my trauma occurred before I was two years old. And so what I have known, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of people are not diagnosed with DID, and a lot of child psychologists never see DID. It's because I would have never stepped foot in a counselor's or a psychologist's office when I was young. I was like, I never got in trouble. I didn't act out. Why? Because my alters saved me. My alters were my salvation. Um, so, but what I do know is that because of our trauma, and experiencing the trauma, we have that that positive outlook that most people who have gone through a traumatic situation have. Uh, we just, our brain just didn't develop. So if you have, um, um, if you're a child in a war-torn area, war area, but you had nurturing parents who looked out for you, that made sure that you were taken care of, you felt loved, uh, you may not have food. You may not feel safe, but because of that comfort they gave you, um, the situation may have been scary, but if they gave you the comfort in their arms to where you felt safe with them or you knew it didn't matter what happened, they were going to love you, um, then you came out with a positive point of view, whereas we didn't. Mm. Um, and so... Uh, we can, we can become have a we can develop a positive mindset by uh, learning um, learning how to replace the the, the autonomic 
negative thoughts with more positive autonomic thoughts. But it's a process and a long process and takes years. And you usually need a, a therapist to help you work through that. Um, there, but there's lots of things like tapping and other things that can help you overcome that. But how we kind of look at things is um, a lot of things that people worry and care about uh, that are seem big to them, we don't worry so much about. Okay, all, all I can think of right now is um, Mean Girls. I don't know why. But <laughs> you know how it's like we we – uh, we have to be popular. We have to be this. We have to be that. We have to be on top. We have to be the, you know, we have to achieve. Right. Um, it's like, it doesn't mean that um, I don't feel competitive about things. It doesn't mean I don't want to succeed. It doesn't mean that I don't care how I look. It doesn't mean that I don't have these concerns. It means I look at people who take it to the extreme and I go, what's your problem? You know, um, it just doesn't, all of those things that people seem to worry and care about um, aren't so major to us. Um, in fact, I would, if you have a choice of going and hanging out with people who've never been traumatized and people who have been traumatized or even people who've grown up in traumatized situation, um, even those that are well nurtured, if they've grown up in a traumatized environment, um, yeah, you have a lot more fun uh, than people who have not been traumatized because they're worrying about other things that you don't care about. Okay. You worry about what's important in this world and not what's trivial in the world. The trivial means nothing to you anymore. Um, you're focused on what really matters uh, and what really matters and what's the core of everything is relationships and how we treat one another. And so we're not, um, while we may have a negative mindset in a lot of ways, we may come across uh, really gruff and a lot of times everybody's different, but a lot of times that's coming across because little things don't matter and you're just focusing on um, something else. Um, what, one of the things that um, I liked one of your early blogs and you talked about how to talk to a negative person and how to, to get along with them. And you were talking about someone that was negative you worked with and how you showed them kindness why the, how this works is that a person with a negative mindset, remember they're a traumatized child, they have no choice in having a negative mindset. So they have their negative mindset. When you have a negative mindset, the whole world is trauma. Think Murphy's Law. It doesn't matter what it is, you're waiting for the next trauma to come around the bend. And everything can be wonderful to everybody else. And you're celebrating that great victory. And that negative person is going, wait for the shoe to fall. Yeah. Never. It's like, why aren't you ever happy? It's because with a negative mindset, you're waiting for the trauma to come. Because in this person's life, if anything positive did happen in their childhood, negative followed. Negative always follows. So your suggestion of what you did to this person of being kind to them 
it may not work the first time because remember their whole life is like, he's nice to me. What does he want me to do for him? So they have this mindset. So when you're nice to them at first, it may not work, but if you continue and show that you want nothing from them, you're just showing them kindness, etc. Then um, they start changing the way they look at you and realize maybe you're not going to cause them the harm. Maybe you are looking out for them. And believe it or not, it's like exactly what they need because they need that support. They need that love. And what they've seen because of their negative mindset is all they get is judgment and criticism. But you understand, I mean, anyone who's around someone who's negative, they understand that you're around someone with a negative mind and your first instinct is to be judgmental and critical of that attitude and for everybody in the office to go back and talk about them around the water cooler. But in reality, if they can be seen for what they can contribute um, and you're kind to them, over a course of time, after they learn to trust you, you will actually help rewire their brain to actually become positive. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a, a good segue to, and I think the, oh, you're referring to a, a past podcast episode I did that titled How to Deal with Negative People. Yes. Those who are out there and who are struggling with uh, you know these issues, a PTSD and NDID, what are some some things they can do to to start thinking more positively? Um, I would suggest that if you have PTSD and you haven't been to therapy in the last decade, that maybe you want to address that because there have been some new therapies that have opened up because of the polyvagal theory that are changing the world uh, for us. Uh, One is EMDR, uh, rapid eye movement. It's the REM sleep thing. It is, there's different ways to do it. They do it a little bit different in Canada than we do it here. But basically, it's some kind of electrical pulse going across your eyes or in your palms that emulates REM sleep. And so therefore, whereas you were too overwhelmed to be able to process through these events before, when you're going through EMDR, you can process through them. Of course, it requires someone who's trained in EMDR. Um, There's also a thing called emotional movement freedom, which is tapping. And tapping, you hit the um, uh, meridian points around your body. And with um, tapping, you learn how to replace those autonomic negative thoughts with positive autonomic thoughts. And the official way to do it or the standard way to do it did not help me. However, my therapist and I were able to work through a method that I could use personally that helped me. So when I come across a negative thinking, I can uh, just press on one of my points and and start working through taking the negative and turning it into a positive. There's two ways to turn that into a positive. Either take the negative thought and turn it into a positive one or take the negative thought and find the good in it. Now, how you use each one. 
if you're thinking, I can never be okay, I'm never going to be normal, uh, I'm a terrible person, why can't I be kind, all of these things that are attacking yourself, what you need to do is then change those into uh, the positive thought, which is you are a survivor. Everybody with PTSD is a survivor of overwhelming trauma. That's just a given. But we've never been called survivors. We've been looked at as the homeless bum on the street. We are survivors. Even that homeless bum, <laughs> even that guy on the street is a survivor. He is surviving and he's surviving the way he can. It doesn't matter who we are. We are survivors. So you take that negative, I'm nothing, and you make it, I am a survivor. And then you replace that after you, you're really into I'm a survivor with what the new message is that you want to believe about yourself or you need to believe about yourself. Yeah, and the, For the major points that you huh? mentioned, what are those? Those are, I saw that uh, we're doing this over Skype, so I show you oh, taps the, on your forehead. Uh, but between, between your eyes, here on your forehead. Okay. On the uh, corners of your eyes, okay. Underneath your eyes, okay. Underneath your nose, just above your lip. On your chin, if you had a dimple in your chin, it would be mm. where your dimple is. On your collarbone, put all your fingers on your collarbone. Okay, so you would be um, touching those points as you get those negative thoughts. Yes, and and tapping. I have learned. I press when I tap. Um, it it. I'm too distracted by the tapping. I have to press. But most people, they say it works the best if you tap. Okay. Uh, the next one is when you hug yourself. You hmm. press in under your your shoulder blades, and those are the points. And then the other points are on your karate chop. And that one's just your karate chopping your hand. But in, in true tapping, you go through every single one of this, these meridian points because it clears um, the pathways uh, to that part of your brain so that you have a chance to rewire that negative message. Doesn't work the first time. I mean, you can get all the way over to where you have a positive thought at the moment but it takes time in order for that automatic thought to be positive. The first thought that's going to come up is going to be negative. And when you that first positive thought came up, then you're like, oh, my God, what happened? Because it, it's, not the, it, it, it's not the automatic at first, and it does take a process. Um, there's also horse therapy. Uh, and animal therapies um, that are absolutely wonderful because – a lot of what happens is we're not able to recognize emotions in other people and we're not able to recognize emotions in ourselves simply because when the trauma happened early enough, we didn't learn how to do it. I, my therapist put me through kindergarten and I had to learn, you know, those little kindergarten um, little flashcards that said, this is what someone looks like when they're happy and this is what they mm -hmm. look like. So yes, everything you ever needed to know, you learned in kindergarten and I had to relearn that one. So we, you know, you have to learn how to do that. Well, animals, 
read your emotions, especially horses and dogs. They read your emotions. So you can go out. I do horse therapy. You can go out with the animals and you can watch their ears. You can watch their expressions and you learn how to read the emotions on the animals and the emo- the animals read your emotions and tell you. They, they don't read the emotions on our face. They feel. Animals can feel what we feel. It's real weird, yeah. you know, but that's why your dog's your best friend. And so they can pick up on our emotions and they reflect it back to us so we can see what we're feeling and we can learn how the horse is feeling about us. And it's to teach us how to recognize those things, which we're missing with PTSD and DID. Um, and there's um, things like yoga, trauma yoga. Now, trauma really? yoga is a little bit different in that it's normal yoga, only instead of the person leading you, there's no one leading you, there's someone that will say, let's do the dog pose if you want to. And you can choose to do the pose or some other pose. Uh, But there's someone that's directing you if you want direction. But the deal is, if you want to spend your entire 45 minutes or hour in dog, you spend it in dog. Um, So there's no pressure uh, because a lot of times what's taken away from us is our choices. We didn't have any choices as children. Um, And now as adults, it's like we fight for choices. So... Yoga helps us get in touch with our bodies. Um, It helps us learn to be in the present. But we're resistant to go to any of these classes because someone's telling you what to do and we want to fight against it. Um, We don't realize that's what we're doing. But once you find out, oh, you know, that's what you're doing, uh, you just need to find a way to – if you can't do it yourself, you need to find some way to go. And, and, and all of these things are new. They're brand new within the last several years uh, on ways to deal with PTSD. So if you're one of those people, like I was, I will tell you, therapy did not help me. It was frustrating. I've met so many people that said group was the absolute worst. Um, but that's because... Years ago, they didn't understand what they do now. Now it's like, hey, we can find your personal therapy. But when you go look for someone, always question, do you understand what polyvagal theory is? And uh, find someone who understands polyvagal theory, um, who does the new therapies. They're not just doing the same old therapies with you they're they're using the new approaches yeah there's a lot of information and a lot of uh, golden nuggets in, in what you said we are well over the the half hour here i feel like i, I should have you over again and and just kind of dig deeper <laughs> because this was so so helpful and i'm sure listeners will, will find it helpful as well is there any you know any books that you want to refer people to who want to get more information or get in touch with you um, I would, um, I have started a blog called getting to know us.com and it was, it's written about all these things and hopefully in very plain to understand information, uh, because I am a writer, 
Um, and I actually have a degree in nursing. That's what I did before writing. So I understand the technical language. I understand the principles behind it. And being a writer, I also know how to put things in a form that uh, for the everyday person to understand that doesn't have a science background. I was having people call me all the time and asking me how to explain different things to their loved ones, uh, how to explain things to themselves that their loved ones were, were having trouble with. And that's what, where the blog came in. So if I will, I read the technical stuff. I do the continuing education uh, classes that therapists go to. I do the really heavy reading. So all of my stuff, I read the DSM-5, which oh, really? <laughs> is not what, uh, yeah, well, not what you're, you're, uh, the normal person is going to want to, to find out. And that's why I started my blog. Getting to know us.com is taking all of that research and it, putting it in to everyday terms uh, that people understand. I try to use examples like from Star Trek and from uh, other things that people know in their, their daily lives and uh, explain it in ways that if you've never been traumatized, you will understand. So if someone reading it has been traumatized and they're looking for a way to explain to uh, someone in their life what it feels like, they have the tools. For someone who has uh, a loved one in their life who has PTSD or DID, uh, they can read uh, one of the blogs to understand what's going on with their loved one at this specific time. Um, I also do uh, reviews of television shows and movies and those sort of things and point out what's good about them, how they you can use this and be able to understand what it feels like to have DID, uh, but these things are totally wrong. And um, so that people have a better knowledge and understanding, because I think if people understand PTSD and DID um, and we're not so stereotyped, they will realize that there's nothing to be afraid of with us and we're really a lot of fun to hang around. Yeah, no, that's useful. The fact that you are a nurse and you're trained in this, you understand it. I will definitely make sure I link to your uh, blog, uh, gettingtoknowus.com, so people can actually check it out and they can reach out to you if, um, if they need to. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I don't think so. Thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate being able to share. That was J.D. Corbett. I hope you found the interview useful. I hope that it inspired you to always thrive to find a way to deal with your personal diagnoses, whether it is PTSD or some other issue. There's always a way to find the silver lining and the strength to overcome challenges. As a reminder, you can find the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes, by the way, by going to umarjang.com slash session number and just type in the session number that you're looking for the show notes for. So this is session number 24. You would type session 24. If you enjoyed the show, I will ask you for one small favor. Go ahead and subscribe and review the show because it is the best way to give the podcast more exposure so others like you may benefit from it. Finally, wherever you are, Thank you once again for spending your valuable time with me and please 
Stay safe and motivated. Shukran. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com. 